Alrighty, welcome to another edition of Living a Rich Life. I am your host, Rich James. Today we want to kick it off with uh, Living a Rich Life recent events. Uh, for those that don't know, they recently took down, I believe today, they took down the Stonewall Jackson Monument has been removed after 101 years, and that's in Richmond, Virginia. So it seems like uh, some of the calls of removing some of these individuals that participated in uh, the heinous act of slavery, um, they, they're starting to remove some of these monuments. Uh, in other news, you know, we're still in the period of COVID-19 and um, I hope everyone is staying safe. It seems like in some states, the number of cases has grown, gone up. And um, again, I just want folks out there to stay safe and uh, stay healthy. So make sure you do wear your mask when you feel it's necessary, especially um, in close proximity of individuals and social distancing. It's real simple, it's real simple. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Um, so as you know, here at Living a Rich Life Talk Show, we intend to inform, inspire, and remind each other the importance of living a rich life. And we do that through six principles, strong uh, relationships, good health, financial freedom, goals and achievement, extraordinary experiences, and philanthropy. And today we have two amazing guests that's gonna share just a small piece of their lives and their talents. And we're gonna explore how they live within those six principles. So with that being said, let's talk about it. My first guest, my special guest today is known for helping others manifest their best life possible. She is a success coach and lifestyle blogger. She is positive about many things surrounding life, mindset, style, and motivation. Please welcome Ms. Zoe Jones. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. The one thing I like as a life coach, and I said, you know what? She, she has a lot to offer. And we initially met um, at Sunny, um, at her Sunny and Neil's video um, uh, opening up, yeah. and um, you know both of them have been on my show, and I think a good flock of folks circle around each other. So I said, you know what? I think Zoe, after my team did a little research, I said I like to have her on the show, and 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 they agreed. So you know what we like to do is have fun. You know we definitely want to get to know you, um, know what your life's about, and um, kind of just take it from there. How's that sound? Sounds great. Okay, so first and foremost, you know, folks like to know, so tell us where you're from. Um, tell us where you're from. So um, I'm originally from Northern Virginia, but I came up to Baltimore for uh, college. I went to Goucher for undergrad okay. and Baltimore is my adopted city. I've lived here my entire adult life and I, I love this city. So I don't see myself going anywhere else anytime soon. Okay, okay. Um, can can you tell us, so when did you begin life coaching um, and what was the inspiration behind it to become a coach and, and start your business? Yeah, so I've been coaching for about two years now. Um, it was a career jump for me. Mm -hmm. I kind of came to coaching roundabout in like two ways, if that makes sense. So the first is that both my parents are in personal development. Um, my mom's in organization capability. My dad does consulting in a similar area. I also grew up going to Unity Church. So I was exposed to a lot of these principles at a young age. 
And then, of course, I became a teenager and, um, you know, rejected all the stuff that my parents knew and, um, you know, kind of had to do my own growing for a while, if that makes sense. And I, in my early 20s, had kind of refound some of it on my own, but I went back and got an MBA in design thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really connected with this love of personal development because I had already been studying it for myself. You know, the idea of what can you manifest as an individual? How can you improve your life for the better? Um, what is the power of gratitude? And I was changing my life. And so then while I was doing my master's, I went in deeper and said, okay, how much can I do? And also I want to help other people. So I had originally thought I was going to be going into more like strategic foresight and trend mm -hmm. forecasting with my degree. But over the course of my program, I pivoted and did this and then went on to do two coaching certifications. So, so how long have you been doing for those that don't know, uh, how long have you been doing life coaching now? Two years, two years, two years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There was a transitional period, but two years. All right. Now, so who can benefit from this, this gift of, of coaching and who is your ideal client, right? You, you figure, cause life coaching, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. I could, I could say that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but who, who can benefit from your gift and, and who is your ideal client? So that's two in one. Thing. So, yeah, it it is. And so the the first one is I think anyone and everyone can benefit from coaching. Um, you know, I still invest in developing myself as an individual. Uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I was telling other people to pay for my coaching and I wasn't <laughs> trying to grow myself at the same time. That being said, I am not the right coach for everyone. I'm no, no one can be the right coach for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of how we resonate with one another because there are people that could work with me, but it wouldn't be as effective as them working with someone else. Okay. Um, my ideal client is a driven individual who's achieved some measure of success in their life. And by, by that, I mean, you know, some of my uh, clients are entrepreneurs okay. or uh, lawyers. So, you know, they have really achieved and they have that drive, but they're at a point where either they need help leveling up or they've reached success, but there's something missing and they want to figure out what that missing thing is. So it could be in their career <coughs> or in another area of their life. Um, sometimes it's, you know, they're trying to rebalance, especially like lawyers and doctors. They, go through so much schooling and it's so arduous that by the time they actually have a successful career, they're mm -hmm. like, wait, how do I do this whole other, like living and enjoying myself thing? Right. Right. They get focused on, you know, mm -hmm. all that schooling and those types of profession that they get, they, they kind of miss life almost, yeah. so to speak. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let me, let me, let me ask you this question. So when we met initially again at the, the, the video shoot, um, you was you were dressed very fashionable, so I, I yeah. would say that you look you look very nice, right? Thank you. So so tell us, how do you implement your love of fashion in your in the current life and work status? How do, how do you do that? Because fashion is, I mean, you look you look very you look very nice. You look very fashionable. Well, thank you. Um, so I mean, as you know, um, I do have a blog called In Luster and Life, mm 
mm-hmm. um, my first career before I went back and got my master's was in fashion. I graduated during the recession and I was lucky enough to fall into fashion styling. It's something that I have an eye for, um, always have. I did not go to school for fashion. Goucher does not have a fashion program. Okay. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed it. And there was a time where I was thinking about going to grad school for fashion and pursuing that career. Okay. And I, I'm not in any ways trying to put down people that are in fashion, but something more was calling me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I will always love fashion. Um, I'm a complete nerd about like the evolution of the clothing that we wear and in relations to like what was happening socioeconomically. Like I can talk about that with you some other time if you want to go for a few hours. Um, But it wasn't satisfying all parts of me. Right. So does, does, so does the the whole style of from fashion, because I do want to get into your, your blog, the writing, and a couple other things. But when it comes to lifestyle, I'm thinking, does fashion play into that somewhere with some of your clients? So it it's interesting that you say that because I've had people inquire about it, it like mm-hmm. as prospective clients. In all the people I've worked with so far, um, it hasn't. Uh, you know, it might come up a little bit around the edges but I've never done a, um, a closet overhaul or personal okay. styling for my clients at this point. Um, if someone ever wants me to, I would be happy to. I mean, I feel like it would kind of be like a different sort of coaching. Okay. That, I mean, personal styling was my first introduction in, into coaching. Ah, I, okay. I realized that I could really help people. And um, so that's what I was saying is that I kind of came around to coaching in two ways. This was one of the other ways was... Um, there was a a woman that I helped one time who was very, very intelligent. Um, but you know how we all have our own talents, right? right. She was not a visual person and she had gotten some feedback that she needed to work on how she presented herself. And, um, so we, we worked on that together and I helped her build a business wardrobe and within six months she had a promotion because then she was going to be going and doing things that was more client facing. Gotcha, gotcha. And that had actually been one of the things that was holding her back. And right. that and a few other times like with other people is what made me realize how much I could be helping people. But this was just one small way I was helping people and I wanted to help more. So I, I guess the message here for those that's watching and listening it's, it's always, there can be two ways to get into what your passion is, um, what you really ideally should be, what's, what's your calling, so to speak, right? So that was one way you just identified and the other different ways that come into you becoming a, a life a lifestyle coach. So I think that, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Um, one of the things that my team put together, we, you know, we, we checked out your, your site. And so you have on your site the following quote by Charles uh, Swindle. Um, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react, which is, is very, very, very important in these times. Um, mm-hmm. why, do you, why did you choose that quote and, and what is the significance to it to you? Well, um, I mean, I chose that quote because I 
really do believe it to be true. Um, Most of my coaching goes back to mindset because so much of what we think about stuff decides what we actually do in life and achieve and how we relate to other people. Um, You know, you can see two people, let's say like there's a a fire and both their houses burn down and there's one family crying and saying, oh my goodness, we've lost everything. Like we're devastated. This is horrible. And then the next family is saying, we are so thankful. We have Mm. everything that's important to us right here. You know, that's just stuff. And I mean, the exact same situation, they both lost all their material goods and it's all about perspective and about what you make of it. I mean, you can oversimplify it into glass half full, glass half empty, but in my training, um, one of my certifications, we talk about how nothing is negative until you decide it is. And now I realize there are certain things that you could definitely argue as being negative and I'm not trying to go down that road, but think of it as all the potential positives that have come out of the pandemic, you know, the stay at home, people are spending more time with their families. They are having um, time to like work on themselves, um, have that perspective of what they want to be going back to when initially probably all those people that have, found positives in this would have said that the stay-at-home order was negative right right no I I agree I totally agree um I I think in terms of again when it comes to inspiring folks you're you're mindful of what's happening around you but me I am a a pessimist so to speak um how do we take that and uh um kind of turn it around how we turn things around and make sure hey I'm feeling I'm feeling good about things um what good can, right? So whether it's planning your next business venture, spending time with your, your family, all those things are, are, are definitely good, good, good to know. Um, so that's how you came up with that. Makes, makes, makes sense, makes sense to me. Um, so let's talk about your blog now, right? And it's called Luster and Life. In, in Luster. In Luster. Yeah. In Luster and Life. How do so you come up with that name first? So it's kind of a play on words. Um, So I love to travel. And so there's wanderlust. And of course, like there's the word lust. um, And I I don't mean it sexually, but like you can lust for life. Mm -hmm. There's also luster as in like the luster of like a pearl. And so then I'm also talking about fashion. And so like pretty things, wanderlust travel, and then lusting for life. So it's in luster and life um i will admit i also came up with a bunch of other blog names that were already taken and so (laughs) you you kind of go down the road of what's one that resonates with me that isn't already chosen Ah, okay Okay. um but that's um my creative outlet you know i i absolutely love coaching i love helping people but i am also a visual person i I'm into fashion. I do like to do creative things. And so this is kind of my like, yes. And to my life, um, Mm -hmm. to balance it out. I, I don't see it as that I'm doing coaching to pay the bills and this is what I want to be doing. I wouldn't want to be doing this full time. I -hmm. want to be out there helping people. And so long-term I want to grow the blog so that I'm talking more about a lot of my principles that I teach in coaching so that I can be helping more people. So it's, that's why it's lifestyle, you know, like how are you actually living your life? What are you thinking about? And then also travel and fashion. But 
you know, as a coach, you can only coach so many people at a time, depending on, you know, what sort of format you're doing it in. Whereas a blog, it might not get the same result as coaching, but you can potentially touch more people. So that's a a long-term goal for me is to help as many people as possible with that as I can. So, so you mentioned principles. What, what, what are some of those, you know, similar to living a rich life? Again, that's those good health, strong relationships, all those areas. Um, and when I find, I find that when I'm talking to individuals, they usually have some motto or a creed or a vision, mission statement that kind of in line. What, what are those principles that your blog um, kind of goes into? So I, I wouldn't say that I have like a single um, mission statement for it, but um, so when I initially started my blog, it was just going to be like fashion and travel. Okay. And I realized that that was inauthentic to me and also inauthentic to what I wanted to achieve in my life. And so I reframed it and said, I'm also going to be talking about this other stuff. And so, you know, mindset, I, I'm a big mindset person, mm-hmm. um, but also gratitude, you know, the idea that you should be grateful for everything in your life, even those things that you perceive as bad. Right, right. Because a lot of those things that are difficult times and they're rough, they then are the precipice of you accelerating to like right where you want to be. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they help shape you and give you the perspective to achieve what you want. Right. So in the moment, it might not be enjoyable, but it's part of the process of you leveling up to where you actually want to be in life or where you can be and reaching your full potential. So gratitude is a a huge thing for me. And um, so I, I have a gratitude list that I do every day before I do any sort of work. I sit down and I write gratitudes for the day. And um, part of that is, you know, things that I'm grateful for in that immediate, like, something that just happened or something that will be happening today. But then I always throw a few things on that list of things that I'm working on manifesting in my life. Let's, let's talk about the term mind, mindset. That's mm-hmm. a, Cause that's interesting to me. Um, Cause some folks, they get stuck in a certain mindset, right? So mm-hmm. whether, whether it's, you know, a, a bad habit and, and I'm speaking from example, um, I, I struggled with, you know, I, I used to be a heavy gambler, right? So I knew I had to change my mindset if I wanted to live a rich life. That's, that's you know, for so many different ways. Because I did, I did damage some relationships. Um, you know, my health has been pretty good anyway. Um, but it did damage from a financial standpoint. Um, um, in terms of doing things I wanted to do and, and traveling experiences, it kind of, you know, uh, hampered that just a little bit. So the mindset, do you think that everyone's mindset can be changed? Yes, absolutely. Okay. It, is it possible for it to be changed? Yes. That being said, like, you can't make someone change their mindset. That's all such mm-hmm. internal work right. that they have to do the work. And I mean, I, I've been living this and and working in these principles and I will still have days where I get down in a funk and I have to catch myself and Mm. stop that little thought train from going downhill. Yeah, I I agree. So I think that's definitely one thing that we have in common is I believe that everyone can change. I believe people can change. 
um, whatever it is, mindset, behavior, if you, but it's an internal thing that whatever it is, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you want to get a different position and you say, hey, I got to do this. Um, or you have kids and that kind of, you know what, I can't continue to do some of those things. So I think that's, that's a, good, a good point when it comes to mindset. I, I love that work. I love that work. Um, tell us how you went from transitioning from fashion to life coach, coaching. How did mm -hmm. that come uh, materialize? So, um, I mean, part of it was when I was doing my master's, um, I was very fortunate to, um, be doing a like low residency program. I went to Jefferson university in Philadelphia, okay. but we had class every other Friday, Saturday. So I was able to keep working full time while doing that. So it's still living in Baltimore. Okay. Um, I actually was working for Under Armour, but under a contract, um, there was a creative services agency that Under Armour had a contract with. So I was on set um, with Under Armour for about two and a half years full-time uh, styling over there. And um, I mean, I will say I'm sure being around professional athletes and fitness models and just, you know, like what they do and their drive was also part of me reconnecting with that very driven um, side of me. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I went to go get my master's, I knew I wanted to be making a career change like that. I mean, that's why I went back to grad school. Right, um, right. And so, as I mentioned before, it was over the course of those two years that I realized I wanted it to be coaching and not a more like regular job, so to speak. Um, and so at the, when I, sorry, at the end, like when I was graduating, was actually uh, within a few months of the end of the contract with Under Armour. So Under Armour had decided to not renew the contract with mm. our company. So we were all losing our jobs. So it was a nice little kick in the pants um, of saying, okay, <laughs> losing, Zoe. Losing the job will do that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny, you know, I easily could have stayed there for another year while okay. getting ready and mm -hmm. figuring things out. But the universe was like, Hey, you said you wanted this. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that, uh, that fall I, um, I did freelance and, um, and that's when I was like starting my certifications. Um, and so in between freelance, um, so freelance styling, just to be mm -hmm. clear, uh, I was able to then start slowly taking on clients. Um, and, you know, worked my way into doing this. Okay. So walk us through a day of, of a day in the life of Zoe Jones during this COVID-19 quarantine experience. What's, what's a day in the life look like for Zoe Jones? Okay. Um, so I get up every morning, you know, wash my face, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Brush your teeth? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Go downstairs. I uh, I do a shake for breakfast every morning, so I'll make my shake, and I'll sit down at my desk and I do my gratitudes. Um, I have a, a planner where there's actually like extra paper for each week, mm -hmm. and so I do my gratitudes in there. So I always have my gratitudes with me, and it's also nice to see like, oh, look at all the wonderful things that have happened and that are about to happen when I'm doing it. Um, right. And, you know, sometimes I'll do an Instagram post. I'll, I'll be honest, that normally happens at some point in the day. Um, 
I, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do yoga from 9.30 to 10.30. And on the other weekdays, I I work out at a different time. So there's always a workout. Um, Depending on the day and my schedule, I might be working on creating content for myself. Um, Or, uh, you know, whether my blog or like a coaching program. And I could also be doing client calls. Um, I do try to kind of have specific days with more client calls and then other days more for like creating Mm -hmm. because it's kind of two different mentalities and like what I'm doing. So that way I can be in coaching mode or I can be in like planning and creating mode. And um, so I, I balance it that way. I, during quarantine, I've been making sure to go for a walk outside every day. Sometimes it's during my lunch break. Sometimes it, I'll uh, meet with a friend and we'll go on a happy hour walk. And yes, there will be drinks as part of the happy hour walk. <laughs> right, right. That was, you know, that was my next question. Yeah. But I mean, okay. I actually, I kind of prefer to like going and sitting in a bar the way we used to, because you get a nice little walk in. Like if it's nice out, mm-hmm. you go pick up one of those to go crushes somewhere. And you talk and walk over the course of your drink, and then you can go do whatever. But right. you get more steps in. I, <laughs> I am. I'm a former dancer, so I always like want to be active. And okay, well, that makes. I mean, that's that's a good thing. Again, to 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 have, and and I I love the setup that they have now. You know, when you go down to Fell's Point, they have a really nice setup um, in which you know you have the open space. Have you been down to Fell's yeah. Point? Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, it's definitely a good look. Um, now, when it comes to creating a strategy for your coaching clients, mm-hmm. um, and again, I, I assume each one is different. What um, what's what's your kind of your go to for ideas? What what does that look like when you're creating a strategy for your clients? So I, I kind of have two things. Um, first of all, I do both one on one and group coaching. So my group coaching is more like curriculum or program based. Um, and so I'll take a group of individuals through it together and it will be tailored to that group, but Mm -hmm. it is, you know, based on whatever we're going to be focusing on for that program with individuals. Of course, it's uh, more flexible. You know, you're going to be paying more for one-on-one, but we're also going to really be tailoring it to your needs and your goals. So, um, I always start out, uh, I mean, really for, before I work with anyone, we, we do a consult and as part of the consult, there's a, a whole visioning process. And so that way I can see where they're at. Cause when you go through a visioning exercise, you can really tell where someone's at in terms of even how big they're thinking or what's been going on in their life because of what comes up as part of that. Mm-hmm. So part of it is actually a screening as to whether I think they could be a good fit to work with me. Uh, um, but then, you know, if they're a good fit and they decide they want to work with me. I will take that um, vision and kind of break down based on where they said they are in their life right now and the issues they've been having and look at the gap between like where they are now and where they want to be and say, okay, like what are the big things that are coming up? You know, is it mostly mindset? Is it habits? Um, are these like external dynamics that are like driving forces? You know, if a lot of times stuff, um, there's issues at work, how much are we going to have to be discussing like things that are beyond the person's control if it's a work environment issue? Um, 
And, you know, so of course with any of these, I come up with an initial plan, but then after each session and depending on how it's going, I might be tweaking it and reassessing it because the more I work with them, the better I get to know them. And so then I can be delving in deeper to where they really need to be going. Right. So, that makes yeah, so let me ask this. So, you know, with uh, lawyers, you have attorney, client, mm -hmm. privilege, doctors, HIPAA, all that good stuff. Do you have some level of confidentiality that agreement code that, that you that you go by? Absolutely. Um, so I, I do have a coaching contract and um, that I have people sign. And so, you know, with the exception of if I think someone's saying they're going to be doing harm to themselves or anyone else, absolutely everything is confidential. Um, if it's a group coaching program, people are asked to sign something where they're also asked to keep details they learn about anyone else in the program confidential as well. That's when you that have those groups. Yeah, okay. so that it's a safe okay. space for everyone. Um, yeah. I occasionally, like if I'm doing a talk or something, I will tell a client story. If I'm doing that, it's because my client has specifically given me permission to share that. Okay, it makes, makes sense, makes sense. Now, what I like to do during these times, sometimes I like to loosen things up. So we're going to play okay. a little game. So okay. We're going to play a little game. I've played it before. Folks seem to love it. Um, it's I'm ready. Either, either or. Either okay. or. And this gives, allows folks to get a sense of who you are um, and get to know you as well. All right. So either or. Dog or a cat? Dog. Do you have a dog? No, not right now. I grew up with a dog, though. Um, oh, okay. And I will have one again eventually. Okay. You look like, um, uh, I'm going to say, a, a Shih Tzu type of person. Oh, so, no. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Phone call or text? Ooh. Like day-to-day -day text. Text. Oh. I mean, in terms of like, if I'm making plans to meet a friend for drinks, text. I don't need to call you about it. Right, right. Okay. But I, I mean, I talk for a living. Obviously, I don't have an aversion to phone calls. So. Right, right, right. Do you ever have those days when you just don't want to talk? I mean, like, you know, you, you handle your business. Again, you, you just finished doing a couple of sessions meeting with a couple of clients. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you just, you, you go out and, you know, you want to have a good time, but you just really don't feel like talking. I mean, you know, I, 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 I talk for a living also, right? And sometimes, believe it or not, I don't, I just don't, I don't think I like people some days. Do you, do you, do you find that? <laughs> well, so, um, I'm a very extroverted person, so I, I will say that if, you know, I, I do like being around people, but I, I really do relate to what you said about sometimes not feeling like talking, you know, whether it's that I'm tired or I just don't feel like explaining something or, right. you know, maybe it's especially probably after a day I've already talked a lot. Mm -hmm. I want someone else to talk. I want someone yes. else to see me. I don't want to have to tell you everything that's happened in my day because I just lived it. So like, it's not interesting to me. Right, okay. All right, let's keep it going. A few more for you before we okay. get back to these questions. So new clothes or new phone? New phone. New phone. I, I, I don't get a new phone like as soon as it comes out the way some people do, but I, at the beginning of uh, quarantine, I upgraded to the 11 Pro and ah, yes. I have, 
been very happy that I did. Okay, takes good pictures. All right, we don't have any sports now, but if we did, and when we have them again, football or basketball? Neither. Neither? So you're not a sports person? I follow tennis. Tennis? Oh, okay. I come by it, honestly. It was the only sport my parents watched. Um, I went to my first uh, NFL game this past fall, actually. Oh, well, yeah, those are all, those are all good things. The NFL, yeah. basketball, they're all exciting. Tennis is, too. Tennis is, too. All right. We're going, we're going, to, give you a, we're going to give you a few more. So I okay. recently received a handwritten note um, from a, a previous guest, an uh, author, um, so you receive an email or a letter, which one you prefer? I, I mean, if it's something that's like meaningful or like a thank you note, um, I, I would always prefer the handwritten. It just has that personal touch. Okay. Yeah, that's, 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 that's easy. That's easy. All right. And then we'll give you one last one and see if we can find a good juicy one. Ah, I love it. I love it. TV or a book? Mm. I don't. Mm. Yeah, that's a so. Before getting into like before grad school, I read for pleasure a lot, mm-hmm. and I when I go on vacation, like at the beach, I'll do reads like that. Um, now most of my uh, reading is personal development related, right. and while I do really enjoy it and find it interesting, and I'm very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I don't really read fiction anymore right now. I mean, who knows? I probably will again. Um, so TV for me is a pure, complete relaxation thing. And so that's why it's hard because I feel like sometimes the reading is more nourishing, but then there are times where I definitely need the TV too. Right, right. Uh-huh. All right. I know that's a non-answer, but that's... <laughs> well, 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 we'll give you that one. We'll say the book at one point, a TV at one point. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Or you can watch TV with a book in your hand. How about that? How about that? Something um, like that. So tell us, what hidden, what, what hidden talents do you have? Hmm. Um, let's see. So I actually grew up dancing very seriously. Um, that's part of the reason why I went to Goucher. Like ballet, modern, jazz. Um, but I have now gotten into like social dancing as an adult which isn't super, so like salsa and swing, um, blues, cha-cha, merengue sort of stuff, um, which is a lot of fun. I finally found a guy friend that was interested in learning how to dance. And we went once in March and then this happened. So, (laughs) well, I'm sure you'll get an opportunity to do it it again. Um, I would say my other hidden talent is like, I'm not an amazing cook, but I'm a pretty good cook. Um, mostly like Italian food. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. It's something that I've just like learned how to make certain things. Like I can make eggplant Parmesan from scratch. Oh, that sounds good. I love Italian food. I love Italian food. I love Italian food. So the, uh, a, a little birdie told me that um, you have something big going on. Yes. Um, something big. So let's, let's first, let's tell folks how they can follow you um, currently now. And then let's make that announcement of, of what you have going on. Yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram at Zoe Jonesin, like I'm Jonesin for something. 
Uh, you got to explain it, Zoe. Uh, yeah. Well, because sometimes people don't hear it when I say it. Oh, well, so. oh, oh they're just not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can, I got to laugh. When I, first, when I first read it, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was cute. I thought it was good. You can I, find I, me at, um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at The Zoe Jones. Uh, my blog is inlusterandlife.com. And then my coaching website is also thezoejones.com. And that's Zoe spelled Z-O-E, since in America, people get creative with spellings. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, it was very hard in kindergarten because everyone else would spell my name differently than what my mom told me. Oh. It left a mark. I'm still getting there. Well, it doesn't matter. You've evolved, yeah. and it's a beautiful name, and it just flows. Zoe Jones. Yeah. So, so um, my big announcement is I have um, used this time that we've had over these past few months, and I've developed a new hybrid coaching program. So it is group coaching but it's a little bit different than some of the other ones that I've offered in the past because it's partially an online course. Mm -hmm. And so you get modules and videos and, you know, interactive worksheets and things like that to take you through the program. And then as part of that, you also get live group coaching as, mm -hmm. and live um, Q and a sessions and the live um, Q and a's. What's great is you can also be learning from what the other people are asking. So, it's ready to go. Um, you can find out about it on my website, thezoejones.com. And I would love for you, any of all, well, I can't, for any and all of you to, you know, reach out if you're interested to hear more about it. Okay. So that's on thezoejones.com. Yeah. I'll be announcing it on Facebook and Instagram tomorrow, but this okay. is the first place Perfect. to hear it. Ah, nice. That's what we do. Living a rich life. We like for things to be done here first. We want to make sure that we start the inspiration. We want to make sure that we're reminding folks that, hey, this, this is it's just real easy. It's real easy. Treat each other right. Treat, treat each other good. Um, it's just part of it. That goes with the strong relationship. So, all right. Well, that's that sounds exciting. Uh, oh, I and I just know. realized I didn't even say the name of my program. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wow, uh, I was so focused on talking about what it is. It's called CEO Your Life. And it's about CEO taking life. charge and being the CEO of your own life and creating what you really want. That has a nice ring to it. CEO Your Life. Mm -hmm. I, I love creative people. I, I love it. CEO Your Life. So speaking of creative, what's your favorite cocktail, Zoe? French 75. Oh, that sounds like something from a James Bond movie. Probably has been in a James Bond movie. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, so let's let's get in here. We got a few questions that came from some followers of yours because sometimes okay. I like to reach out and, and see what, what they you know what's on their mind. Um, and one question was based on your life experience, at what age do you feel you've had the best teachable moments that made you who you are today? I, I don't know that there's any one particular age mm -hmm. because I've had multiple very important teachable moments in my life. And the truth is, is 
you keep leveling up and you keep learning. Right. Um, I, I mean, the biggest like life changing moment for me was um, the summer before my senior year of college, I got Lyme's disease. And so um, I had been double majoring and dance was my other major. And so that ended that. Um, and it actually took like the first part of my twenties to fully recover from that. Mm. And so, you know, with that goes like introspection, you know, choosing what you really want in life. Also like learning how to like get back in shape right. because I had to go on very strong medicines and I gained a bunch of weight. And so getting healthy again, um, I, I'd say that's the most like transformational part of my life in terms of huge impact. But like, that is what then took me to the place to get into coaching. Right. Okay. How would you like for folks to know what, in terms of, you know, legacy, when, you know, when it's all said and done, what, what legacy? I'm a firm believer that we all have a legacy, whether we want one or not. Um, how would you like the world to know you and um, the legacy that you intend to leave? I would hope that people that I work with or um, people whose lives I touch in some way that I've left it for the better, whether that's, you know, I've helped them manifest their dreams or I posted some inspiring content on Instagram and it helped improve someone's day. Um, I, I want to leave a positive impact on this earth in, in my own little way while still also living my life to the fullest, you know, it's a little bit different for everyone, but I want to help others do the same. And I hope I'm remembered as doing that. Okay. Okay. So is there any advice that you would, um, you know, for those that's watching, listening, again, those that might watch it later, um, any advice in terms of how to become a certified success coach um, or getting it? Well, we talk about fashion, but let's, let's talk about what you're really doing now, what you're passionate about, the whole life coaching. Any, any advice you um, want to give individuals watching and listening now? Um, I would say take a look into like what sort of coaching you want to be doing. Um, even within life coaching, there is a lot of different niches. Um, and the reason why is because there's tons of certifications out there and some of them are kind of focused towards one thing, focused towards another. Technically speaking, like I've met coaches that have no certifications. Um, mm. I, you know, they, they learn from their life and their own study. And right. I, I do think it is possible to be a great coach without being certified. I also learned a lot in my trainings and I feel like I'm able to bring more as a coach from having done that. Um, I would just say, you know, attend different seminars, but don't sign up for the first one that you are exposed to do some research and just kind of keep listening to yourself about what's resonating with you and where you think you want to take this coaching. Right. Okay. Well, that's, I think that's a, a good way to kind of close out our, our segment. Um, I want to thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Um, and I appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your talents with us. Um, I, I look forward to the new, the new blog. I, I think not even the new blog, the new program that you have. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, Again, CEO your life. That's that's a nice yeah. little ring to it. It's a nice little ring to it. Um, but again, thank you for joining. Um, I continue I continue. Wish you success in everything that you do, and um, I'm sure I'll see you around at some point in time when uh, 
folks, we get to some new normal. I don't really like to use that term, but um, you know, when we started, you know, being able to actually really go out and engage with folks. And I think, you know, the governor did a pretty good job in terms of Maryland. Uh, we're not one of those places that it has increased. And I think if we stay mindful of what's happening, we'll, we'll be good to go. So I wanna thank you for joining. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Rich. It was a pleasure to talk with you today. And I look forward to seeing you again in person whenever you know that can actually happen. Exactly, exactly. So until then, stay good. Don't hurt nobody, Zoe. I'll try. <laughs> All right, take care. Okay, bye. All right, folks, we just had an excellent interview with Miss Zoe Jones. Um, the, the life coaching thing, is, is, is serious, it's, it's really serious. And I think um, once you come to a place um, where you're having some struggles and I, I do recommend that you, you reach out. Um, for me during my struggles, which again um, was some time ago, um, being able to really talk to somebody, change your mindset as she mentioned um, is, very, is very, very important. So, um, our next Can I, guess um, is, is, is just interjecting really something serious. real quick. Yes. Um, just an update on uh, what you just said about um, Maryland flattening out. We've gone from green, green being good, to back to orange. So just, oh. you know, just wanted to give a little kind of an update on that. that Ab absolutely. And that's just because our borders are not shut and right. know, the DMV is the DMV for a reason because people go in and out of our area often and which is partly bringing the disease back and forth throughout our states Ooh. so numbers so, are going up because three restaurants just closed because they're most of their employees tested positive just recently oh, in Canton. Okay. so um it's actually at the bottom of the screen too so gotcha gotcha just want yeah, to give a little I, update no no i appreciate that that's that's true that's why you're one of the greats so let, let's talk about that for a minute. So, but it's not as bad as some other states. Cause I think we were doing a very good job when it came to being mindful of this, um, this, I don't know that, do I call it a disease? I mean, a virus a, disease, yes, it's a respiratory disease. The right, virus so causes I, it. I think we're doing pretty well um, because again, you know, but when I do look at some things and when you mentioned the DMV area, uh, folks being down in DC at the wharf I mean, like it was 1999. Um, it was kind of you know, shocking for all people to be so close together. I just realized and, I didn't have my mic on. Well, I can hear you. You can hear me perfectly, I bet. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I could I, I hear you perfectly. Um, like, so DC, um, have you been down to DC yet? I haven't left my home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In three months. <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, my goodness, Monty, you're crazy. <laughs> But it, it, I, I, so I've been down to D.C. to check out the Black Lives Matters. I went to see the, the, the mural on the road. And, um, you know, of course, folks were, were protesting and marching. Most folks I've seen were wearing masks. But again, it was, in terms of that social distancing, it wasn't really happening too, mm -hmm. too much. So. So, yeah, so we got that to look forward to, too. How many people have contracted just from being that, that, in that close proximity? for all that time and still going on right now. There are protests happening right at this moment, right. especially in front of Vince's crab house. Um, still. That, you know, still. We, we still have that to come with the increased level of cases that might be coming because yeah. those people now will have to get tested or 
start to feel symptoms in the next couple of weeks. What do you think the next, 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 uh, what's, what's the next steps though for this thing? What do, what do you think? Well, I think the next steps is, is that we're going to go back into a full shutdown again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is not facts, but this is, you know, right, a prediction right. I'm, I'm, that I'm, I yes, predict I'm, that I'm we are going to go back into a full, full-fledged shutdown again, because, and it's not going to be a nation one again, like, um, the one that went down, you know, they forcibly made Trump do that. This will be a selective choice, like Texas, Mm. how they're doing it. They're shutting down a lot of stuff. Arizona is in another 30-day shutdown right at this moment. And I think we're going to, we're on our own, basically, with this this virus fight. Yeah, You know, he made a big deal of calling this a war, but then he didn't want to be a wartime president because he hasn't done anything. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you that. Your next guest is here. I don't. I, I just don't know. I don't know. So, you know, we're gonna uh, keep things going. Um, you know, so as you see, we was having a chat. Um, my producer here at BeExposedRadio.com. Um, if you want to have uh, your, uh, you have a, a single album coming out, artwork you want to have featured, then. Uh, by all means, reach out to me because Be Exposed Radio, we will definitely get you exposed to the right things and, and all things positive. That's what we like to do. Just having a few discussions with my producer there. Um, now, I know you're ready because I'm ready um, for my featured guest tonight here on Living a Rich Life. Um, the one great thing about this man is he is a fellow Morgan State University alumni. Uh, so that right there in itself, you can't say no more than that. But what really caught my eye was the fact that he's an artist well-known for creating a mix of well-known African-American celebrities and artists. He has a gift of visual artistry like no other I have seen. Please welcome E.L. Briscoe. Hey, how you doing, bro? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. And, and I also, again, my, my team does some research, so I understand you like to go just by Briscoe. Is that correct? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, and because and, your, your 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 site is Briscoe Art, which again I see you have a lovely piece back there, as well, <laughs> right? So let's 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 get into it. Let's let's talk about it, as I like to say. Um, so tell us where you're from. I like to know where folks are from, um, and then how did you know you had the the, the gift of visual artistry, um, like like you do? Okay. So tell us where you're from. Uh, originally uh, from an area in Southern Maryland uh, called Charles County. And uh, this town I'm from originally is called Pomfret. Uh, so I grew up there, uh, born in La Plata. So spent all my years there up until I was uh, 19 years old. Uh, and then I left there. Um, while in uh, elementary school, fourth grade, uh, I just so happened to be uh, sitting on the floor near the teacher's desk. And I look over and there's a poster of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Uh, it caught my eye because that's something I grew up on. So uh, I just looked over and out of nowhere, I just started drawing a picture of Russell. And I realized I could do it. The very first time I'd ever laid down anything like that. Um, and from that point forward, it was a, a distinct love of art. And when it comes down to actually, uh, like I don't particularly believe in talent, um, because really talent and skill, they're indistinguishable from one another. 
So the only talent that exists is the love that I have for for doing it. Uh, just that feeling that you get of, of satisfaction inside, that intangible feeling, uh, that's what actually I, I consider to be the, the talent. Okay. So that's the thing that drove me. Uh-huh. Nice, nice. Now, I, I got to say, what do you have, what piece you have right there behind you? It looks like Dalton Martin Luther King. There. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a piece called uh, American Stuntman. Um, it actually does go along the lines of uh, uh, the, the character creations. Um, so basically, I took uh, Martin Luther King, um, adorned him as Evil Knievel, because that's another one of the characters that I used to grow up on. I had the toy and everything. But the whole idea behind the American Stuntman um, is that the same things that they said about Evil Knievel in terms of him doing his stunts and the, the lengths that he would take, those are some of the same things that they said about people like Martin Luther King. They said, oh, you're crazy for going out here and doing this. You're going to get hurt. All of these things. And they tried to tell you to stop and all of that. Um, but it was a combination of uh, or a mashup of those two characters. And then I implemented um, some of the, the, I guess, iconic imagery from his assassination. Because it's, it's American Stuntman uh, as a title. And then the subtitle is um, Character Assassination. Mm. Um, so the whole idea behind, you know, referencing them. So in, in the image, you have um, two firemen in the background. Because uh, I always looked at uh, EMTs, firemen, those are kind of heroic individuals because a person who goes in to be a fire fireman or a firewoman and uh, an EMT, those are people that are actually chosen a job that takes them directly into uh, dangerous situations right. for the sake of someone else. Um, so that their singular goal is to save people. Um, so I have them and then the individuals behind them are uh, actually pointing up because the day he was assassinated, there were people on the balcony there pointing to where he was actually or where the, the gunfire came from. So that's kind of how that that came about. Yeah, and it's yeah, a 3D I, painting. Yeah, I'm saying that's that's a good that's a good that's a good look. That's a good look. So. Um, I think let's let's tell folks first and foremost how they can see some of your work, um, you know, like your, your, your IG, your websites, all that good stuff, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, the IG is Briscoe underscore art. It's B-R-I-S-C-O-E underscore A-R-T. Uh, and then the website is briscoeart.com. And uh, I urge folks to go and take a look. I would start easiest. You start at Instagram. Check out Instagram. He has the link in the bio. You click on that link. It will take you to some phenomenal stuff. Um, and, and I want to I want to get into some of that. Um, in terms of again, so looking at your work, I know you've used a couple of different celebrities. Um, you know, folks like the, the villains, the Joker. Um, you also use such as Jimi Hendrix. What what's what's your inspiration behind that? Uh, a lot of I guess you can call it somewhat of a, a retelling of stories. Um, there are people who get a lot of acclaim, a lot of notoriety, um, but I don't think, and especially nowadays, I don't think they've done a whole lot. Um, and facts, I, huh? yeah, I, facts. I'm sorry, I just had to. That's facts. This is the age we live in, and I'm trying right. to come to terms with it, uh, but it's it's a little bit difficult. But there are individuals that I actually create. And I want to use the comic book characters 
to actually illustrate literally some of the intangibles in those individuals that I think are really important. So like you said, so you mentioned the Jimi Hendrix piece. Uh, I've, I've been a fan of Jimi Hendrix since I think 91, uh, came in contact with one of my old roommates, Mark, and he introduced me to Jimi Hendrix and it's been a love ever since uh, and a constant rediscovering of, of Hendrix. Um, so there are elements of, of Hendrix that I kind of pull into my classes and things, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to kind of make some references to some other things. So I create an image of, of Hendrix, but I actually kind of put the makeup or don him as a joker. But what people don't necessarily get into is the fact that when you think of the joker, there are multiple joker characterizations that have existed throughout you know, uh, a number of years. Right, that right. particular one is uh, Cesar Romero. He's the Joker from the original Batman series. Um, and I've referenced him because that is my first introduction in, 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 uh, into Batman. It was my first introduction into the Penguin and the Joker and all of those. Um, but since Cesar Romero was the original one, it's kind of taking people back to uh, a time that they're not necessarily familiar with. Mm. Uh, and then the interesting thing about that, that whole Batman series was um, growing up on that series, I didn't know that that was a satirical look at Batman. I just loved Batman and, and, right. you know, and, and that was it. But right, I, didn't, right. I didn't know until I was an adult that this is basically a joke. So it takes on a different kind of perspective for me. So um, I, I just use those types of characters to kind of take people back and, and illustrate or pull out those things about these characters and these people that you don't necessarily know. So the piece itself uh, that I'm referencing is called uh, Child Romero, that's C-H-I-L-E. And that's a combination of Voodoo Child, which is a, a really, really well-known uh, Hendrix track, and then Cesar Romero and trying to mash those up uh, together. And it gives people enough to make them curious. And hopefully what they'll do is then take the initiative to, to go out and discover more about these characters that they may not have understood before. Right. So some form or fashion, hey, this artwork should inspire you because that's really what I focus on is being inspired and, and you know, be, the, be a change agent. And again, that's why I yes. asked you to be on, on the show to share your story. And, and that's that's definitely right. So now I know a little more and I'm saying to myself, well, I got to, one thing, I got to I gotta get me a piece to put up in the place. That's the first thing. Yes, um, you're right. You, you should. And then the second, <laughs> then the second thing is how um, you know do some research to understand and see the dynamics behind it. So that's that's definitely in hope for those that are watching and listening um, live, as well as you know this will be recorded. This is being recorded and will be available afterwards. So that's that's I, I love that concept. So what's your favorite medium when creating your portraits of your subjects? Uh, initially, uh, so I'm, I'm a traditional artist, whereas, um, uh, and I, mind you, the funny thing is I don't use that word very often to describe okay. myself, but what I just, word would you use? I, unless prompted, I don't, I don't say it at all. Uh, okay. the image is there, so there's no reason to ask, Hey, are you an artist? Like, did you not see <laughs> what did? Um, but it, I feel as though that's a really, it's almost like a royal term. Mm -hmm. So I look at other individuals that um, that taught me and that I look at in history books and like those are artists. And if someone wants to place me on that platform, go right ahead. But um, to kind of remain 
kind of grounded, mm-hmm. I don't like to even do that. And, and you know, it's just a weird kind of ism that I have. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but um, in, in reference to the mediums, like I said, I was traditional. I've done the acrylic, the sculpture. You know, I've done all of these. And it's a tribute to um, Morgan State University's art department that I, I grew up in that exposed me to all of those things. And I feel kind of... Uh, feel kind of bad for a lot of the students that are around today because they don't get to actually get involved in so as many of the things that I, as, as I did. Mm-hmm. But uh, traditional mediums, um, but more recently, uh, colored pencil and marker. Um, yeah. I went to col- colored pencil and marker late because when you hold a brush and you work with paint, um, there's a, a physical separation between you and your surface. Um, that tactile thing is not, as tight as I would like it to be. But when I picked up those colored pencils, I have full and total control over the pressure, over the duration Mm -hmm. and everything. And I can physically feel what I'm doing on that surface. And it all comes together really, really well. So what I've done is is gone from the traditional methods onto the um, not as traditional methods. Um, But then I got introduced into the digital world. And I'm so glad that I was introduced to that very, very late. Uh, I've only been doing digital work for about two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it has allowed me to do is there are things that I was doing physically, uh, colored pencil and marker and paint and all of that. And while I'm doing those, I'm thinking to myself, wow, if I was working digitally, I would be able to do this. I would be able to make this adjustment. I would be able Mm -hmm. to. So all that time, I'm thinking about the work I'm doing, but I'm thinking digitally, if I was able to do it, oh my God, this, all these other avenues would open up. Right. So then when I got to the digital world, things got real, real interesting. Um, the digital realm for those who are actually trying to study is not for people who want a quick uh, way to get to that, you know, that final product. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to draw, if you don't know how to paint, if you don't understand mediums and so on and so forth and color theory and all of that, the digital media is not going to help you one iota. Uh, it's going to expose what you don't know. Um, so I'm able to use all of those things in the digital realm. And then the fact that I do most, uh, well, 100% of the work that I do digitally is on an iPad, um, which makes it really even more efficient because I can move and, and do work right. anywhere right. I want to do it. And sitting in the bed, sitting in the chair and all of that. So that's pretty much where I am right now. And I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, kind of discovering and rediscovering all of those possibilities within the digital world. My brother Briscoe, you mm-hmm. are an artist. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to be clear, just to when you when you break down I, I, again, and I, I mean I, I appreciate the humility. I'm gonna tell you, but just the way you broke down when it comes to the medium and and a, a, a colored pencil versus man, man give me a damn paintbrush give me a marker that's what i'm saying right the way you broke that down that's 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 nothing you know and again i appreciate and respect the fact but i'm recognize you as a, a phenomenal artist i've seen your work and if anyone's seen it in which more people will see it now like i said they're gonna see it when they come to my house because we're gonna work on getting me some so cool. that's, that's that's what i'm talking about so how have, how have you been keeping yourself busy do you find yourself doing more stuff now with um uh, quarantine and covid um i wouldn't say that i'm um 
I wouldn't say that I'm doing more now. Uh, I am much, uh, I'm able to focus a lot more because I don't have to, I mean, I'm cooped up in the house all the time. (laughs) So um, I'm able to focus a lot more on the work. I'm able to kind of sit back and think about what I'm doing a lot, uh, a lot easier. Um, But what I do miss is being able to kind of trade this type of information back and forth with students. Um, and I, and I do enjoy the company of my students quite a bit. Um, so I'm, I'm able to keep in contact with them, um, right. you know, text and, 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 uh, Zoom meetings and so on and so forth. Um, but I've pretty much been able to kind of like just be around my work and, and discover things about it and, and really contemplate things a little bit better. But I'm, I'm anxious to, to get back into the swing of things. So, so let me ask the question. So down in, in, I went to D.C. not too long ago. Black Lives Matter, that mural down there. Mm-hmm. Have you painted anything um, uh, as it pertains to kind of the situation, what's happening now in the country? Have you painted anything of that nature just to, as a vent? And again, I don't know if it's a, a something private to you, but I'm thinking, you know, if I was an artist, I, I would have, you know, I've seen some artists actually out there painting at nighttime. And it was like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is freaking amazing. Um, um I, I have done some some venting on uh okay. on, on tablet. Uh it's more so the whole idea behind this the like you know Black Lives Matter and such is ironically, I was just at that mural yesterday um in DC. Um but the whole idea behind a lot of these things is is very nuanced. Um, I had a slight debate with someone on- online uh, recently, not, not even so much someone, but it's something I had to say online, is that when we're talking about the death of, of young black males, it is not the death or, or killing of young black males. For the most part, it is the death and killing of unarmed black males at the hands of people who should be able to kind of not do that. Um, so a lot of the work I've not a lot, but a couple of the pieces that I've done in the past have been inspired a great deal by social unrest, social injustice, and things of that nature. And, and most recently, I'm sitting down in the room with my son, and he's on you know the PlayStation doing his usual thing. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes I'll just go and sit in the room where he is and do what I'm doing, but just to be around him to kind of feel him out and such. And I look up, uh, and he's sitting in front of me. Uh, playing. And all I could think about is how worried I am about his future uh, because I know what kind of uh, stu- uh, person he is. He's just like me when I was younger. So there's a lot, even though he's quiet, there's a lot going on in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look up to him and and, uh, and asked him a couple of questions about did he know, understand what was going on and, you know, what are his, his thoughts about it? And usually his thoughts are, you know, yeah, it's messed up, but he doesn't get too much into it. So then I started thinking about the fact that not saying it's because he's my son, but my wife and I have a good kid, a really good kid. Um, he's much smarter than I was when I was his age. He's 16 now. He's much smarter than I, I was. He is much better in school. He's taking classes in school now that I've never taken in my entire life. Um, He's an, he's an honor student in terms of the classes. He's got three honors classes and all of that. So I started thinking about that and started thinking about some of the things that a lot of people say uh, about young black males. Um, they're, you know, the, the thug issue, that they don't have a future and so on and so forth. So 
I look at him and I, when I look at imagery, mm-hmm. I start mm-hmm. to see all of these other things, these ideas. So they, I'll take a picture with my mind right. and I see all of these other things happening. And that's pretty much how I do my sketching, so to speak. Um, I move things around in my mind. So all I saw was him sitting there and I saw a stack of books uh, from his classes. And then I saw these picket signs, which are taking place all over the place. So, so I created that ish, the image, uh, Great Expectations. Yes, um, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, and it's, I'm so glad, I'm gonna let you keep going. Cause that was, uh, when, as soon as you mentioned your son, my teams came up with, hey, it's, it's called Great Expectations. Um, so please, please continue. Oh yeah. Um, so often when I hear words, there are um, other types of, you know, issues that come about at, at the same time. So I have great expectations for my son. But then there is a book, Great Expectations, that uh, written a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about that. And I looked into it a little bit. And when I was, I think, middle school, we had read excerpts from that. So there was something in there that, I, that reminded me of. So I went back and looked after the fact. And I treated it in the same way that I would treat uh, an artwork that I would see in a museum. I go and look at the artwork first. And then I start to actually make assertions about what's going on based on the imagery and all of that. And then I go and look at the label and do a little research to see if what I was thinking is in line with what the artist had created or what they thought. So I did the same thing with this. So I heard about great expectations. I knew a little bit about uh, about it. And then I decided to name this piece and, and compose it based on my thought processes and all that. And I looked back and discovered that the same lesson or moral in great expectations uh, existed in the composition that I had just created. And I don't know if that happens by accident or not, or if it's in the back of my mind, uh, but the whole idea behind that is valuing the way you treat people people. over wealth, um, recognizing what is important and what is not important. And that is basically the same thing that I was dealing with when creating that piece. And the imagery is is what we refer to as a silent dialogue. You walk up to a painting, there are questions that you ask the painting that you're looking at, and that painting responds. And then you go back and forth, back and forth. So as a person looks at that image, what they'll see is this young kid playing a PlayStation, doing the thing that, you know, kids do. And, but at the same time behind them are these picket signs asking these questions and the questions are basically asking the antagonist, okay, um, what you're thinking. So you got, um, I know all lives matter. Do you know that all Mm -hmm. lives matter? Um, Because we already understand that. Because people always, you know, Black Lives Matter, but then they reflect with all lives matter. It's like, yeah, we know that. The issue is you don't realize that all lives matter because Black young males are getting killed left and right, and you are proving that you don't believe that. So you've got that, and then you have the oh now. And the oh now part uh, is because this has been a discussion for a very long time. People have been screaming that um, people are being unjustly jailed, harassed, killed, and all of that. Um, And all of a sudden now, Mm. people are coming around and saying, okay, yeah, Black people are getting killed like this. It's like, but we told you that. A long, a long time, time ago. ago. Okay. Yeah. And and I, the question that I have with that piece is basically, 
why is it now that you're starting to come around and realize that? And I actually posed that question to some folks online. And I had some interesting responses. Uh, nothing that satisfies me as at this point, but, you know, it's... And that was, <laughs> that was on IG? Where was that? Um, it was a, it, I'm a, it was on Facebook. It was a, uh, there's a group that I've been a part of for a long time. It's a political discussion group. Gotcha. And I posed that question in, in that group. And uh, I posed it there because if I was to put it onto Facebook, um, I would get answers that I'm already aware of because I've done a pretty good job of cleaning up my Facebook, whereas uh, I don't want a whole lot of foolishness coming in there. That's not the place for it. Right, uh, right. But the, the political page that I'm a part of, that group, they don't know me. I don't know them. So they're probably going to give an honest Answer. response to that right. question. Not that my other you know, friends don't, but I already know what they, what they think. I want to know what someone else thinks. So uh, there were some interesting responses. So, you know, oftentimes when you, when you have something that you really want to talk about, or what I do, I have to put it in, the, in, in pictorial, pictorial form because um, direct straight language is never going to get you the understanding of what's taking place because literally art means to be. So when you're talking about, um, feelings and emotions attached to things, you often have to put it into, uh, into artistic form. That's why poetry is so ex extremely important. You, can't, you have to break the rules you know, of grammar in order to get your point really, really across. You know? mm. So that's kind of why I have to do that. Is, is that a hidden talent of yours, poetry? Do you do poetry also? Um, I don't know if I would call it a talent necessarily, but um, <laughs> I came along at just the right time, uh, I think. Because um, when I was an undergraduate student, uh, we would get together at one person's house or another person's house. And nowadays, when people get together like that, they just get together because they're going to have a party. No, we would get together uh, at a certain person's house because we were going to do poetry. There were no prizes. There were no, um, you know, it was honest feedback. So we would just we would write our own poetry. We would read our own poetry we would just pass that back and forth to one another. And there were so many venues that existed back, you know, in, in the 90s, uh, early 90s, that kind of catered to that. And I always make a joke with my students and tell them that uh, Love Jones, as much as I love that movie, Love Jones ruined it for all those poetry sets we did. Because when they did <laughs> that on the screen, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden people were like, wait a minute, poetry, if, if I do poetry in public, people will think I'm sexy. So all of a sudden, all, everybody wanted to do poetry, and it just ruined it for everybody. So the worst part about open, the worst part about open mic is that the mic is open. Yeah, the worst part. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. I I do remember. So you had your love Jones, and the next thing you know, yes, it was sexy, and then this event was this place was doing it, this person was doing it, it was open mic, and everybody was coming. And and I mean, some of the stuff to me it was kind of nice, but some of the stuff too it was like, what you, you kind of. You pot polluted uh, yeah. the, the water, so to speak. Oh my yes, goodness! Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I tell you. Um, so let me let me ask you this: What, um, in in terms of, if, if there's a piece that you've done that you feel shouldn't have gotten more, should have gotten more recognition or, or purchase based on its representation, is there like some work that you've done before? It's like, hmm, yeah, this this 
should be going at a certain price or you just feel it didn't get it it's just due a lot uh now um (laughs) the internet and social media and everything is a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. in that uh nowadays people are used to getting very quick pieces of information and it's all being given to them they don't have to really work for it and and that's just the way that people are being brought up today so um what happens is uh i will get an idea i'll I'll have this emotional response to something and and i really get excited about it it doesn't necessarily show uh, on my outside but inside there's alarms going off and everything's happening Mm -hmm. um so i'll put things together, I work significant, significant uh, you know, numbers of hours uh, to do it. But ironically, I will post that um, because that's just that quick way of actually getting it out to kind of get some responses to be from people. But it seems as though those works that I've put that much effort into and that much thought and that much passion into, uh, those are the ones that don't necessarily get the likes. Um, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but at the same time, I know why, um, if I wanted to get just likes and followers and everything, I know exactly, exactly. what, to do. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. all I have to do is find something, what's movie is coming out. So I find that movie that's coming out that everybody's liking, and I will then go and do imagery of that. Um, for instance, uh, whenever you know, someone in black music dies tragically. The internet is flooded with artwork about that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless I feel strongly about that individual, I'm not going to lift my finger to actually do it because it's going to be under false pretenses. Right. Um, so you I don't like Biggie, I don't though. That. Huh? You like, you like Biggie. I like Biggie. Yeah, I saw you because I, I was like, yo, that joint is hot. <laughs> but you know what? Um, the, that's the first image of Biggie I've ever done. Um, and because so many people have done it and I never had a necessarily a reason to do one of Biggie, but it just came to me, uh, very recently. Um, Biggie used to always talk about, you know, call himself, you know, Frank White, the King of New York. Mm -hmm. And the irony there is that people always talk about that, but people don't know what that actually means. They don't know who Frank White is. Right. Um, so I love that movie back in the day. So I'm thinking the King of New York, Kingpin. I was like, okay, let me go ahead and do that mashup between Kingpin and, and Biggie and kind of title it the Kingpin of New York. Um, but the first thing I did though was I went on to see if anyone has already done that. Right. Because if someone has already done that, there's no need for me to actually do it unless I felt was terrible. But um, but if someone has already done it, I don't need to go right behind them and do it because they did the job that needed to be done. I don't need to go behind them and, and redo it. So I looked and I saw that they did, someone did put uh, Biggie in as the kingpin in a comic book, but they never actually did it, you know, in the, in the manner that I was attempting to do it. So I did it, I've done, keep it moving. So there are lots of people that I have not done imagery of, uh, and I probably won't, uh, because my, my goal is more so about what am I going to do that satisfies me? That's what I'm going for. So, so tell us what's, what's your pet peeve, um, a pet peeve 
that makes art um, mediocre, right? In, in your opinion, what makes art mediocre? Because you kind of, you talk about, hey, I, hey, if he made a painting and it was just garbage, then I'll step it up and do my thing, right? What makes art mediocre to you, in your opinion? Um, when people go after just the dollar, uh, when people mm. uh, create artwork just because they want to get um, a reaction out of people that they don't know. Um, I'm, I'm big on doing justice to imagery. Um, I'm fascinated by so many people. And that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about the internet. I've been exposed to so many people who are magnificent at what they do. Um, what makes it mediocre to me is when people do it just for that reason when you have all of this ability, and I'm talking not just people who can't paint and draw and all of that, I'm talking about people who have this really, really uh, high level of skill set, mm -hmm. but they don't do justice to the artistic part of things because they can, and I just wish they would actually really put their back into it and, and really think through the process. Uh, someone used to say, you know, like give you a little bit, but you got to pay for the rest. So I, I love people who are able to manipulate the viewer and make the, and pull them into the image. Mm -hmm. And when you have that skill set, high, high level of skill set, um, you should be able to kind of really flex when it comes down to the cognitive part about, uh, about art. Um, the example I use often is, um, and ironically my wife and I were talking about it the other day, um, Denzel Washington looks absolutely nothing like Malcolm X, okay? Right. But you cannot tell me that he was not Malcolm X in the movie, okay? Right. Because he was able to bring out all of those intangibles that made Malcolm Malcolm. Um, and that's what I wish so many people would do, focus more on the intangible, bring out something. Yes, you can, mm -hmm. it's easy to teach a person really how to make something look like this person. But if you're going to create a portrait, Portrait literally means to portray. Mm -hmm. So a true portrait is something, is an image that actually unveils the intangible about the individual, because that's really what you want. You know, you want the beauty in a person, not just how pretty they are. So that, that's kind of what I wish people would get. And my pet peeve is when people don't do that. And then, aside from that, when Again, open mic. The mic is open, and social media is like a huge microphone. Right, right. So you put an image up, and without really thinking through or understanding what you were actually attempting to do, someone comes into your comment section or into other individuals' comment section, and decides to tell you all the things that you did wrong, wrong. <laughs> because you you didn't do what they wanted or they what they thought, but they don't even understand what that's really all about and that's that's the unfortunate thing but that's been around since before social media the comment section of uh newspapers right. Right. terrible terrible yeah. critics yes so so around so around this time as we were coming up to um july 4th um you had an um, exhibit of your artwork called character floss at jubilee arts in baltimore sounds yeah. familiar yeah. um so tell us about that exhibition and what can we expect um you know, doing a, a Briscoe showcase? Um, well, that, that show, I was invited to do that, um, that show um, by the, I believe, the assistant director, um, 
of, of that space. And I've known some other individuals who have actually worked with it. And prior to that, I hadn't actually been over there, but uh, I kind of gravitated towards it because I trusted what other people had actually, uh, not, not so much what they had done, but their colleagues that I've had who have actually gravitated towards that space. So I, I did it. So the whole idea behind character loss was, it's just kind of play on word mm-hmm. words, whereas you have, imperfect individuals so it's character floss as in flexing who you are but at the same time character floss as a plain word as in a flaw so it's to kind of show the beauty and the imperfection at the same time of people so in, in a showcase of mine that is what i would hope to actually uh, bring out um when you're looking at works of mine what i hope that you see is those subtle things that are done within the image, that that composition, that, that positioning, that's where the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you actually get into understanding what the works are about. So that's kind of how I would like for the showcases to be. And that was the first, uh, one of the first exhibitions um, that I've had that showcased some of the digital work that I was doing. As a matter of fact, everything in there was the digital paintings. And that's the first time I've actually exhibited only digital work. What 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 advice would you give um, some young artists, um, and as well your, your, your students? What advice have you given, and, and what advice would you give someone that's looking to, you know, develop their talent a little more, um, develop their skill? And mm-hmm. be careful with my words here. What advice would you give to an up and coming? Well, actually, the, the, it was good that you used that word because that's the skill. Um, develop your ability and your relationship with whatever medium you're actually using. Um, learn a lot about it. Practice, 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 practice. Make it a part of your life. Now, that does not mean that you have to draw or paint every single solitary day because that would be hypocritical of me. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> but my life is all geared towards art so when i'm out walking and you know if i'm walking the dog if i'm driving i am thinking about all of these things that are art related um when i take roots when i go someplace whether i'm going to work or what have you there are 50 million ways to get from one place to the next i choose my route based on how the things around me are going to make me feel so I try my best to stay away from uh, highways because there's absolutely nothing to see on highways except for the highway and other cars. That is not very visually stimulating to me. I definitely like to take the back roads. Um, so I would suggest to them to do that. I would suggest to them to practice their craft, learn about materials, and beyond anything else, and I preach this, um, make sure that you stay humble. Recognize you're not the first person to do this. You're not the best person to do this. And you're not going to be the best person to do that. Um, learn to do what you do. Listen and be humble. And I, and I think that's interesting that you mentioned. So it's kind of just what you do is, you know, whether it's you take a certain route. You know, I ain't on the highway. Ain't nothing but bridges and cars and things of that nature. Do, right. So do you have like a dream subject that, that you would like to, uh, you know, like say, hey, maybe I want to capture the Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower in a certain way. I mean, all those things kind of have been done. Um, but is right. there something like a dream subject that 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe I like to collaborate, maybe a person and do a live painting, drawing of that individual. Anything like that kind of comes to mind? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a fair subject because there is basically no subject that I that I don't have, you know, the ability to do. If I wanted, if it was anyone in history, all I have to do is find an image of that person and I can actually do it. Um, the thing that has actually thrilled me was not so much the work that I've been doing, but being able to work with certain people. And I've been very lucky to have been able to do that. So um, there are people that were my instructors uh, that I've been able to work with uh, as colleagues. There are uh, folks who taught me who I've gotten work from. And I was speaking to someone the other day and uh, talking about the fact that I had one desire, and that is to uh, get work in my personal collection of all of my studio instructors from undergrad. And I've got all but one. Uh, and the only reason that I don't have work of hers is because she lives in Senegal and I haven't been able to get it. Um, but, but no, not necessarily a, a subject because, you know, with the world the way it is today and technology being what it is, um, if I want to do an image of a person who is in history, I can do it. Right. And I can get that imagery just like that. Um, but I've been lucky, lucky, lucky to be able to uh, work with my professors and to actually curate exhibitions and have those individuals in the exhibition. And one of my, you know, really heavy uh, uh, professors um, called me up one day and said, hey, I want to, you, you're doing an exhibition in such, such place. This is when I was curating. Mm -hmm. He's like, I want to be in your show. And I was floored. I'm like, here's my mentor and says he wants to be in an exhibition I'm curating. I was like, damn right you can be in this exhibition. So, <laughs> right, so right. And it happened. It happened. It was, it was wonderful. And, and I, I, you know, give a lot of, you know, credit to him. Well, I, I'd like to, um, I'd like to definitely, if, when you have your next showcase, uh, you don't need none of my artwork, but uh, I do have some, you know, other artists that have been in the show and they, they do some phenomenal work. Uh, one of the things that, you know, not just a radio host, I'm a networking guru. So I think they would definitely, you know, you know, I figure you guys are creative and y'all all, you know, can have good conversations. So um, definitely want to be invited to your next showcase. Uh, I'm just, I need to know when it is, when that happens. And, um, you know, just stay connected because I, I definitely want to definitely get a piece. So I'll, I'll, I'll have someone getting a hold of you because I've, I've seen a few things I like, but I think the great expectation um, you know, sometimes folks paint stuff, create stuff for themselves, but sometimes you, you might, you know, it, the price is right, but we ain't going to go there. <laughs> yeah. Every, everything that I create is primarily for myself. Yeah. Um, but once it's complete, it, it just, it goes out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like, I like how you put that. Um, anything you want to share with the folks as we uh, wrap up um, today's show, anything that, you know, one, I want you to just give your uh, your information one more time, and uh, okay. any anything additional. Uh, just like uh, briscoeart.com and briscoe underscore art uh, on on uh, on Instagram. Um, other than that, just I thank you for reaching out to me and and uh, sharing this 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 environment with me. I appreciate that. Uh, absolutely. So so there you have it, folks. We had a another good session another good interview i like to call them sessions because uh you know we have open honest dialogue um i thank you for sharing your experiences i thank you for sharing your talent 
Uh, again, go on Instagram, um, go on uh, Facebook, um, check out the website. Um, I will, this, this was being recorded, so you'll be able to check it out at YouTube. I'll be sure to send you the link, Frisco. Um, thanks for watching, folks. Thanks for listening. Once again, this is Living a Rich Life. I am your host, Rich James, and um, keep it moving. And like I say, when we get together, let's talk about it. I'll see you next week. Same time, same channel, beexposedradio.com. Take care. Be safe. Thanks a lot, right. Frisco. Thank you, All brother. Right. Thank you. Right. Oh.